A 2022 piece by National Public Radio cited Anne Frank as the most famous young author of all time. As her diary, translated into more than 65 languages, is one of the most widely read books in the world. One such reader was Nakia Garland. Now a 24-year veteran teacher at Arsenal Technical High School in Indianapolis, she was once a sixth grader at nearby Farrington Elementary School, where she picked up the autobiography, never imagining that Anne would not survive. That surprising conclusion would inform Nakia's future, rooted in education and social justice. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we are learning from Nakia Garland, a native Indianan who earned both an undergraduate and master's degree from Indiana University and currently teaches British literature and AP language and composition. She has taught a wide range of secondary and college level classes both in the United States and internationally. In addition to being a Fund for Teachers Fellow, Nikia is a Terry Fear Holocaust Educator and Action recipient, a Mark Schoenwetter Holocaust Education Foundation grant recipient, a Lilly Endowment Teacher Creativity Fellow, and a Grovesner Teacher Fellow. In all of her free time, she is a chair for the Indiana Teachers of Writing Conference president-elect for the Indiana affiliate of the National Council of Teachers of English, and a mother of two sons. When seeking resources to support her Holocaust unit, Nakia realized that Indiana had a Holocaust museum founded by Auschwitz survivor Eva Kaur. She also found Fund for Teachers through a Google search, and last summer used a $5,000 grant to document historical sites in Germany and Poland related to the novels The Book Thief and My Forgiveness, My Justice, to expand student comprehension of significant events in world history and inspire them as social justice advocates and global citizens. We caught up with Nakia two days before International Holocaust Remembrance Day, also commemorated in Indiana as Eva Core Education Day, to hear about the learning she experienced on her fellowship and why she feels it was vital for her students. I'd like to start where we start every single podcast that we've done is what made you become a teacher? Well, originally I did not think to become a teacher. I wanted to be a marine biologist. Interesting. Okay. I was in elementary school, but as I got older, I realized that I wanted to do something to be of service to people. Initially, I considered being a doctor, but I I knew that I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to to do that job. Then I thought about social work, and I thought, oh, that might be a little too sad to do every day. And then teaching, I don't know, it was almost just like a natural choice almost, because I feel like it was always there. It was always in the back of my mind. Definitely, it's public service, and it is social work and (laughs) there's a, there's a clinical aspect to it as well. So you're kind of combining all three. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. So then let's jump to what made you decide to pursue this particular fellowship, Nakia, because it's intense. 
your purpose in going was to document historical sites related to the book thief, another favorite book of mine, and my forgiveness, my justice in Germany and Poland to expand student comprehension of significant events in world history and inspire them as social justice advocates and global citizens. So when I was in sixth grade, first of all, I loved to read. So I would read all the time. I picked up the diary of Anne Frank. I've always kept a diary as well. So I was immediately intrigued to read another young girl's diary. And that was my introduction to the Holocaust. I did not realize that it would end in her death. Like I really was very shocked. I remember crying. I was so upset, so bothered. I didn't understand. I was like 12 at the time. Right. So for me, everything started from me reading the diary of Anne Frank. And I just said to myself, I'll never forget her. And so when I started teaching Holocaust education, it was in memory of her life and legacy. And so then can you describe the fellowship that you embarked on last summer? It was amazing. I learned many things about the Holocaust that I didn't know beforehand. And just walking around Munich, the birthplace of the the movement of the Nazi party. If you look at old photographs, those buildings are still there. It's so much history in Munich. I had opportunities to visit Auschwitz one and two and the, the buildings, the monuments, the beer hall in which he first developed the idea. It just, it just really uh, blew my mind. And I'm not sure why, because I I don't know if I expected them to tear everything down because he was literally all over Munich spewing nonsense. But that just kind of surprised me because I did a Third Reich walking tour. So I was able to visit many of those places where they had meetings and beaches and different things that took place during that time. I also had the opportunity to visit the concentration camps. And that was difficult. That was very chilling even walking through the gate where it says um, they have a German phrase, but it means work will set you free, I believe. Just entering the gates was was heavy. The death chamber still smelled like death. It just was saturating the air. I just I had a really hard time. And I wasn't really prepared for the artifacts that they they left behind at the concentration camp, the bundles upon bundles of hair because they cut their hair when they entered the camps, the shoes, the the toddler shoes, the baby shoes, the kid shoes, the the dishes, the suitcases that still bear the names of the victims, the ashes on the grounds of the concentration camp. It was it was overwhelming for me. And there's a room in one of the barracks and they have murals of their their victims. And some of them are so emaciated. Oh, my. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't not cry like. And even in one of the barracks, they have pictures of the victims being liberated. And there's a picture of Eva Kaur and her sister, Miriam being liberated. And I and I know this because I've been to Candles Holocaust Museum and Education Center and that same picture is there. So it was like a, a little piece of Indiana in the concentration camp. I was very uncomfortable, like extremely. 
How did you process what you saw? Honestly, I don't think I fully processed it because it's it, it has to filter through my heart, and I feel like I just I'm keeping it right here because it it's 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 difficult. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel that your students in Indiana needed to have you go on this experience? What is it that you felt that you could bring back to them? to change how they view the world, how they view themselves? The particular group of students that I work with, they're often victims of oppression. So I feel like it is vital to teach them how to navigate such circumstances. They need to know that they have a way out. Education is that way out. And I also like to use characters to, to for them to study. For example, with, with Liesl, even though everything was stacked against her, just everything, but she still persevered. She still had grit. Even at the end of the novel, when her her second family is destroyed, her friends, her life, everything that she knew, she still managed to rise to the top. And I, I really want to impart that to them that they that they too can do the same. And also, again, Lisa was an upstander. And she learned that from her papa. She learned that from Mr. Huberman. Um, and so that it, it's okay to take a stand on behalf of others. And I feel like to teach subjects such as the Holocaust with fidelity, that you do need to visit the sites to understand the ramifications of, of that period in time. And again, to teach it with sensitivity and accuracy and it's one thing to see photographs of concentration camps, and it's another thing to actually visit a concentration camp. And again, I also learned so many more new pieces of information that I didn't know beforehand. And I feel this helps me better prepare my unit for the Holocaust. And I can and I can share with them. I can give them a first-person account. We use a lot of primary sources in the unit. I feel those are very important so that they see the victims as humans and not necessarily a number six million. And how has that played out with your students so far? Well, we've just embarked upon the unit. We've done a a few things in advance, such as attend letters from Ann and Martin, because that was held in October. So we've completed that. Go a little bit in depth about that. Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr., I'm assuming. Yes. Um, it's a two-person production. So you have an actor playing Martin Luther King, an actress playing Anne Frank. And I learned when I was there, I didn't know this, they were both born in 1929. That just fascinated me for some reason. And it's really beautiful the way they pulled it together, the dialogue, because they're not, of course, they're not speaking to each other. But the way they wove in excerpts from her diary and letters from his Birmingham jail time, it was amazing to me. And the way they did it, it paralleled so much. How did you get to take your high school students to the performance? I received an email from Candles because it was sponsored by Candles. And so I'm an ambassador for Candles, so I get a lot of information that way. And I just completed the field trip forms and it was approved to take them. 
Let's dive into the candles and to Eva Core a little bit for people who might not know. Can you talk about that organization, who she is, and even the Eva Education Day? Eva Core was a Holocaust survivor. She was a twin, and she was experimented upon by Dr. Mangala. She was liberated by the Red Army in 1945. Unfortunately, her older sister and her parents both died while at the camps. She and another fact that I find very interesting about her is that she served in the Israeli army for a time and eventually she married another survivor and he lived in Indiana in a a small town called Terre Haute. And that's where she ended up and she opened Candles Holocaust Museum and Education Center. The acronym is for Children of Auschwitz Nazi Deadly Lab Experiments Survivors. And Eva Kors Education Day was granted by Governor Eric Holcomb, and it's to celebrate all that she's done in recognition for others to learn about the Holocaust and, and the legacy that she has, has left behind for Hoosiers and anyone else who chooses to visit the museum. And when you and I were talking earlier, I shared with you that one of our Fund for Teachers fellows, using her grant, was on a tour that Eva Kaur conducted every summer to educate them, her this unending work. They went to Auschwitz and she took them to the train car and she spoke with them about her sister and her family. And the next morning, a member of her family came and told the group that Eva had passed in the middle of the night. I look forward to connecting both of you because I think you share a really unique perspective with both being there and both being inspired by this woman who has changed the face of Holocaust education, especially in Indiana. Yes, she definitely has. And she also was the first Holocaust survival that was vocal about her forgiveness of, of the Nazis, which was controversial in some aspects. Absolutely. So what, it, what has been your students' response to both you going and then the information that you've shared when, since you've come back and, and learning about Eva? For the most part, they're very fascinated. They, <laughs> they just said, how did, how, did you, how did you make that happen? Like, what, what made you come up with that? And how did you find out about Fun for Teachers? I believe on Google, if I am not mistaken. And again, we're just embarking upon the unit. I'll go into more detail uh, once we do a few more things. Like we have a field trip scheduled for the the Peace Center with an, uh, another genocide survivor, the Rwandan genocide. And he actually was, was great friends with Eva and regarded her as a mother because he lost his parents in the genocide as well. So we'll visit his center in Marion, Indiana. So we have a few things that we need to get out of the way before I delve into my journey. With your information that you've brought back and your insights, and then with these wonderful field trips that you have organized, how will that then fold into your curriculum? And what does the spring look like for your students and you? So the spring looks like us reading the book Thief. And I'll do this with my 
AP Lane class, and we'll focus on propaganda, use rhetoric, look at ethos, pathos, logos, write a rhetorical analysis, examine how the Holocaust was even allowed to happen to, you know, to understand that it was systemic, that it didn't just happen overnight. And I got a good glimpse of that being in both Poland and Germany. Hitler was methodical about the extermination of Jews. I had an opportunity to visit the Munich City Museum, which actually has an entire building dedicated to that period in German history. And it was really eye-opening. I got to see a side of him that I I didn't know existed. Just the fact that he planned it that he started slowly infiltrating the minds of the citizens. I didn't realize that he had been to prison before, which I was surprised that he was able to rise in the political fashion that he did and ultimately become chancellor of Germany. I just, I learned a lot about him at that museum. And what was scary to me is that he seemed normal. Like if you didn't know his mindset and his objective, looking at the pictures, like there's pictures, there's pictures of him smiling, which I that just shocked me because I've I've never seen a picture of him looking happy. And that's the danger. Sometimes we are fooled by the outer when a, a monster lurks inside. And a, another aspect that I like to examine is With the liberation, how Black American soldiers helped with the liberation, yet they were not, they were not even free on their own homeland. How do your students respond to that? I think they, they appreciate it that I do examine that because race today is still even an awkward topic that a lot of people don't want to have courageous conversations about. Because I do have some students that are into history that that will say, well, how are they able to go over there and do that and and then come home and still deal with Jim Crow laws? And we've had fellows who have surfaced data and and narratives where those black soldiers said they were treated much better as soldiers Mm -hmm. in World War II fighting in Europe than they were in their hometowns. Yes, I, I read about that and how much they, in Europe, they appreciated them for helping with the liberation. And I actually watched a video of a, a Black soldier, and he said that his motivation was that by him liberating other people, that hopefully someone at home would take up the cause of the Black people and help liberate them. So he said he always had that hope, and he said he never wanted to see other people being oppressed and mistreated. And so for him, it was an easy decision. Mm. We're going to also examine how land was an issue for for Hitler, what he felt like belonged to the German people. We're going to uncover a lot of things. And that's why I was grateful to be able to have this experience, because again, I learned a lot that I didn't know before, because I've done my own research about the Holocaust. I've been teaching... 24 years. Wow. And that's how I stumbled upon candles actually doing my research. And I was completely surprised to see that Indiana had a Holocaust museum. I just was, I was blown away by that. And the fact that she ended up here and she used to frequent the museum often. And I've been several times. Unfortunately, I never had the the pleasure of meeting her. I really love in hearing you, your narrative about why you went. And what I respect so much is that I hear in you 
a humility in saying, I didn't know. And especially knowing that you've taught for 24 years and that you are such a lifelong learner that you continue to want to dive into and equip yourself emotionally and academically with information to carry that on to your students. And I think that's just something that is inherent in excellent teachers, the awareness that there's always more to learn. Oh, yes. I, I, uh, the people of Germany and Poland were really kind and gracious and very helpful with any questions that I had. All the museums that I visited and other sites, people were really open. How did they approach the topics that you were asking about? Was there shame or embarrassment? Or Honestly, one of the things that impressed me about, in particular, being in Munich was the way that Germany responds to the wrong that they engaged in during that time frame. They don't shy away from it. The aim is to educate. I feel like they've made atonement for it. And that surprised me. So I, I appreciated that about them. And I know as part of their curriculum, they require their students to visit the concentration camps. And that's powerful. I think that's very powerful. In fact, when I was there, there it was a lot of school groups there. It's wow. part of their history. It's a lot of candor there. Mm-hmm. Which means learning can take place. Learning can take place. Yes, I agree with that. You wrote in your post-fellowship reporting that on the wall at Auschwitz is the quote, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. And that you're going to focus on that to help your students. What What is the message that you really want them to walk away from your class with as they read these important novels and, and learn from what you've learned? I think they view the Holocaust as an isolated event that can never happen again because it happened so long ago. And I want them to stay away from that type of thinking because I feel like it is it is dangerous. That's one of the reasons that I love to teach the book thief because Lisa is such a approachable character. She's relatable. She's a foster child. Her parents are are dead. Her brother dies. She can't read. All the issues that some of my students face and, and it's a perfect vehicle to get them engaged. We start off, we spend like two weeks learning about the Holocaust. I start with a brain dump to figure out what they know. And then we go over each one of those to make sure that it is accurate. Because sometimes they they think they know, but they don't. That's another reason that I, why I incorporated the Genocide Survivors book in this unit, because... The Rwandan Genocide. Yes, the Rwandan Genocide. Yes, because that shows that, no, it it still does happen. It, It happens pretty frequently. And we look at some other countries in the world where genocide is currently taking place. So that right there shows them that, no, it's not a thing of the past. And it can happen again. And it does happen. And it is happening. So that's my my true hope. And to create upstanders and not to just sit there and do nothing and be complicit. Your silence is being complicit. So that's my ultimate hope. And just in closing, I know you're so kind to talk to me from your classroom on a break, but tell me, what would you say to teachers who are like you and looking for resources and looking for perhaps funding to extend learning? Why would, why would you encourage them to consider fund for teachers for that opportunity? You're allowed to dream. You're allowed to decide what it is that you need as a teacher and go after that. And, and I, 
that's so valuable to me as a teacher. Again, I've been teaching quite a long time. It is rare that you get these opportunities. Another reason, as you already pointed out, it will extend their knowledge on whatever subject it is that they're focusing on, what they want to know more about. You will walk away more informed. You are a superstar. What you're doing is life-changing. Don't you laugh. It's true. I mean, in preparing these students who feel oppressed with optimism and hope and knowledge, yeah, that, that is a trifecta that's really powerful. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you to Fund for Teachers fellow Nakia Garland for sharing her time and thoughts on her fellowship and her hopes for students in her classes. Chalkbeat Indiana just published an article that Nakia wrote titled, A Visit to Auschwitz Changed How I Teach About the Holocaust. You can find the link on this episode's homepage. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from more than 10,000 Fund for Teachers fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org or check us out on our social media platforms. Lastly, circle April the 4th on your calendar because that's when we will announce our 2024 Fund for Teachers fellows at fundforteachers.org. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fund for Teachers, the podcast. Until next time, keep learning. Keep learning.